Hey everybody, Chris Avery with you on the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. A bit later, a pair of very entertaining interviews. Chargers alums Lorenzo Neal and Marcellus Wiley will share their favorite memories from Raiders Week. But first, defensive lineman Damian Square talks leadership, lessons from Nick Saban in Alabama, and much more. All right, welcome into episode five of Backstage Chargers. Very pleased to welcome Damian Square to the program. Defensive tackle or defensive end Damian Square? What's up, man? Uh, defensive lineman, I just... Defensive I like, lineman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the guy that plays all across the front. You, you played know, defensive I, end yeah, I on Sunday. Yeah, DN on Sunday. It's been a while. Uh, I play a little bit of everything. I just play football, man. I, I'm one of those guys that you just put the football on the ground and give me an assignment and I'll go get it done. Well, let's start... Sunday, we'll move backwards. Hard-fought win, yeah. 29-27. You guys went down early. You needed all three phases to get that win. Oh, yeah. Well, you had to have a win, you know what I mean? We had we got this little thing where we are playing three California teams back-to-back-to-back, and, you know, you, you, you want to get, get the W against San Fran. We, we, we came up short against uh, the Rams, and I, we couldn't fall short, you know, to the 49ers. It's an in-state uh, rivalry, uh, so to say. And one, we needed the W to go 2-2, two two, uh, stay at 500 in the first quarter of the season. And like I said, it put a little more uh, importance on it, you know, that it was an in-state rivalry. You want to yeah, win sure. that. You want to win that. You got back-to-back Bay Area teams. But what did you guys take from that win? Because – Listen, it's not easy to get a W in the NFL any week, frankly. What would you take from that one? Especially now, man. I feel like the game is just, man, it's getting so hard to win. When I first got in this league, you beat the teams you were supposed to beat. It yeah. happened that way. And, and upsets came every once in a while, you know what I mean? But um, just with that game in particular, uh, you got certain things that you want to work on. And uh, we got an opportunity to work on some uh, composure in that game, you know what I mean? Uh, just sticking to the plan, getting hit in the mouth, uh, responding. Uh, we got an opportunity to get a rep at that without losing, so I'll take that any day. Stay calm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 14 nothing. you stay calm. And one of the things that you needed to do going into that game was stop the run, stop yeah. Matt Breida, stop Alfred Morris. You guys were able to accomplish that. And then the offense just did their thing. Talk about how the offense has, has evolved through the first four games, helping you guys out. Um, putting together drives, putting together drives, man. When the, when the defense uh, uh, put the ball back in their hands, uh, just putting some type of points on the board. You know, we were rather seven, but some type of drive, some type of points to affect the other team uh, from a condition standpoint and also on the scoreboard. It's important to a defense, you know, that we get over there, uh, look at the things that we uh, we did and did wrong. You got to have some time on the bench to make some adjustments. It's kind of hard to make adjustments when you're touching the bench, putting your helmet back on, running right back out on the field against some of the explosive offenses that we played in the first quarter of the season, man. That has to help a little bit, Damian. You know, knowing that you, you go up against these explosive offenses, the Chiefs, the Rams, albeit those are two losses, you probably store those. You file those away knowing like, hey, we can make adjustments and oh, yeah. we can move forward. Well, that was that's you know at least my message to the team. Whenever I got a chance to stand in front of the guys, we're a real good team, you know. I, and I've been a part of some real good teams in my football career, you know, from a a, a little guy, you know, to now. And I understand how it feels, and, and it feels that way here, you know. And I just wanted those guys to to know that, you know, that was something that I wanted them to know. We lost the two really good teams. We were uh, in those games, a hard fought battle. Um, but just know what type of losses they, they were. They were really good teams. Those those teams had to beat us, and they did. No doubt. You know what I mean? And and we did beat ourselves in that, in that game some, but those teams had to come and beat us. And you got to hang your hat on that a little bit, right? Yeah, for yeah, sure, for yeah. sure. You've been in this league since 2013, and you've etched out a leadership role uh, yeah. here at the Chargers. Is that something you've embraced? Of course, of course. That's the role that I want. That's the role that I want. Uh, I want to be up front, you know, uh, it's just who I am, yeah. you know, and it, it, I, I embrace that. That's who I want to be. I want to take on the things that a leader takes on, you know what I'm saying? And um, I, I appreciate my teammates uh, for giving me an opportunity to do that every once in a while, you know. Uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, Corey Legia coming back this Sunday against the Raiders. How much is he going to help you guys on the defensive line? Well, he's going to bring some excitement, something new. New is always good, right? Even though he's a guy that's been in this organization for a while, uh, he gets the opportunity to be new here. You know yeah. what I mean? So that, that's cool just to communicate, uh, just see my guy in his jersey on game day bringing some excitement. 
that's one thing he's going to bring to the table. New. New makes everybody move a little faster, right? And then uh, him, just his skill set, being tough, uh, his awareness of the game. I'm sure he's excited to get out there. I know he'll keep uh, all this emotion uh, under control uh, and make some plays for him. I, I, I really think this is going to be a big game for him. Well, let's move back to you. Okay. Uh, you're no stranger to winning, man. Three-time national championship <laughs> winner, uh, team captain, yeah. Alabama, uh, high school. You yeah. made it to a championship game. Take me back to Tuscaloosa. What was it like in that program under Nick Saban? Um, it was militant, man. It was it was a, a operation that was just made to win. Um, it was tough. It weeded out anybody that didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. And I was almost one of those guys a few times. Really? Oh yeah. Early. Um, and often. Early yeah, and yeah, often. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Because the guys that he had in the building. I didn't. I didn't think I could play with those guys, Julio Jones. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, we're, we're gonna get to the draft too. That 2013 draft you know where I'm nine saying? guys were drafted. Yeah. Um. So listen, I I, I listened to this podcast Origins. Did uh-huh. you listen to Origins podcast? It's this podcast where they, um, I think it's James Andrew Miller. He did it on Alabama football program and Nick Saban came out a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Cochran. Scotty. Scotty Scotty Cochran was in there, and they talked about that, how it's not for everybody in Tuscaloosa. uh Uh-uh. It ain't. And it it almost wasn't for me, man. I I made a a decision to go there from Houston. Uh, I passed up a lot of universities to go to Tuscaloosa at a time where it wasn't the place to be. You know what I mean? Um, I was a part of that uh, uh, number one recruiting class. With uh, Julio Jones and uh, Mark Ingram, uh, just to set a few guys that headlined that class. And you were linebacker going yeah. into college? Yeah, I was number uh, nine linebacker. Number nine in the, in the country. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going into college. But, anyways, um, when I got there, man, I can just remember the workouts and how those guys were running and moving. And I just felt like I wasn't ready. And it took me some, some time to get adjusted. And, um, but I was just appreciative of, you know, just having an opportunity to be with those guys. And it rubbed off on me. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I took a turn for the better. Uh, I made a decision to make those uh, five years count in my life. Yeah. Uh, took opportunity, you know, and just realized the opportunity that I had to be, you know, in the same building with those guys. And that just elevated me in every way. Do you think back to some of those moments when you almost didn't make it and, and think about where you'd be now if you – if you say, you know what, this isn't for me, I'm done. Nah, I don't. I don't. Not at all, because what I'm doing right now, this, 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 this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, this isn't a surprise. Yeah. Everything that I'm doing right now, I put the work in for it. That's for sure. You know. So, nah, not, not too much. The, the thing that I remember most about uh, college is the guys, man. Just watching these guys, uh, uh, headline teams. Uh, I walk through uh, Spectrum the other day and I saw Landon Collins on an Adidas uh, ad. Yeah. That's the things that it's wild. really, really touched Ruben me. Ruben Foster man. across the field. Ruben Foster across the field. Um, Julio Jones uh, on every poster you can find in, in Atlanta. You can't ride through Atlanta without seeing Julio yeah. five times in a, in a minute. So that's th- those are the things that, you know, just excite me, man. Just the fact that I was in a building with those guys, in classrooms with those guys, in the weight room with those guys. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson that you learned from Saban that you applied to your work ethic in the NFL? Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, how it's supposed to be done. Simple as that. Simple as that. My son wake up and say it every morning. Really? It's just something that my whole household, oh, I try to get my whole household to live by and me and myself and I, when I wake up in the morning and I put my feet on the ground and my ankles are sore and my knees are hurting and my back sore and you know you asking yourself how how much longer can I do this? Those are the things that run across my mind. Do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. How it's supposed to be done. In it, wild because it's the simplest thing to say yeah. and it's the hardest thing to do for a lot of people. Yeah, it is, but not. And I think that's the magic and what they have going on there. It's that simple. That's what those guys are doing. I mean, it's it's it's. <laughs> I watch TV and guys, you know, I come in, I used to get into it with guys about, you know, choosing a team. Somebody's going to beat Alabama this week. Uh, now I don't even get that anymore, man. Guys don't even talk to me. <laughs> it's about, not worth it. They don't even talk to me about the game. It's kind of getting boring, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Sick of winning down in Tuscaloosa. Oh, my God. I mean, it's, it's amazing, dude. I, 
First of all, I should paint pictures for our listeners. You got a you got a Chargers hat on, but it looks like it's, it's, oh, it's Crimson, Crimson Tide. It's, it's a Crimson, Crimson Tide Chargers yeah, it's hat. A Crimson okay. Tide Chargers hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way that, to do that it. That quarterback man. is crazy. Tua? Tua. Really good, man. What what about the quarterback situation? You got a guy that you can win with. Hurts, absolutely. He proven. All the time. And then you just get somebody that's, I guess, better. Just better. Just does it better, does it faster. And... I mean, what 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 other programs in the country is running into a problem like that? Well, and that's the thing too, because there was like some controversy: is Hurts going to leave? Is he going to stay? And then you see what happened in Clemson; their quarterback left. Yeah. for a better situation. Hurts is still there, and I don't know the situation, but Me I would either. imagine maybe the reason you're still there is because you know that at the end of the day, Alabama's going to get you to where you need to be. Period. And and you want to be a part of it. And and I I know guys that made that decision the other way. And it did not work out, you know, in the way that they wanted it to work out. Almost never. So, um, I don't know the situation with Hurts. Uh, I know he's a, a Houstonian as well. Yeah. A uh, guy that traveled a similar path uh, that I traveled from Houston to Tuscaloosa. And um, I hope it works out well for him in the long run. Uh, I think he deserves success. Alabama in the NFL draft synonymous. Yeah. That first round. Really, yeah. the draft in general. The year you came out, 2013. Nine players from the Crimson Tide were drafted. You weren't one of them, though. I was not one you of them. You were undrafted. Man. I was sick. Why? Injuries. That's all I can say, man. Injuries. I, I couldn't figure that out either. I had some guys call me during the draft, uh, you know, saying that they were going to draft me and different things like that. Uh, I actually, um, Mel Kuyper had my, le- my name like the whole second day. Yeah. And that was surprising to me because I, I didn't – think that I would get drafted on the second day but you know just watching how the draft was going and you kind of you know measure yourself up to other guys you're like this guy and this yeah. guy you know why is well, that I mean, you're a team captain from Alabama SEC yeah. national champion three-time champion so at some point you probably like yeah what's going on I was but let me tell you what happened so the draft goes on and uh, been a always been a, a strong mental guy you know so I was kind of trying to put myself in a place to get prepared to work for something, right? Yeah. Um, so the draft, we get to the next day. And in the third day, now I'm just kind of fixed on being um, a free agent because if I think that way, if I get drafted, it'll be great. You know, so I'm always, I already got my mind on free agency where I'm going to go. Um, and, and I choose to go to Philadelphia. And I mean, this, this is how things come back in full circle. So the guy at Philadelphia was a guy named Ed. I think it was like Manorovich or something or something. I can't even pronounce it. But he, mm-hmm. he was at Alabama. He was a football operation guy. And he was in, in, in Philly. And he called me. He said, man, I was here in the spring, and I know you can play here. And at this time, I'm kind of in my feelings. My mom's on the side of me. She's trying to figure out what's going on. My grandmother's kind of in their feelings because they want me to get what I want. And I made a decision to go to Philly with Chip in his first year. Um Play some. Uh, that was Chip rep. Kelly's first year. Yeah, it was yeah. Chip Kelly's first year. Uh, we 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 end up winning a division and going to a, playing in a wild, wild card game. I remember that first game, Chip's first game against the Redskins, and how it was just like that offense. No one had an answer. For yeah, the yeah, first yeah, year. yeah, yeah, yeah. That first year, yeah, we yeah. we 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 put up some numbers, man. We surprised everybody. But anyways, um, yeah, that's that's wild, man. But I knew I could play in this league. I knew if I got here, I could stay here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And throughout, you know, my time of being in the league. Um, that's wavered a little bit, uh, especially going in my second and third year in the league. But um, and I'm just I just take it a day at a time, man. Um, one day at a time. I'm just excited to 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 work on tomorrow, put it like that. So this is how hard it is to stay in this league. Those nine guys I mentioned to you from from Alabama that were drafted. I did not know this. So seven, this seven is all are, new. Seven are out of the league. The other two, I think it's Chance Warmack and Fluker. You're the only one who's still maintaining and. Started. You started on Sunday. Yeah, man. When you look back uh-huh. at all all nine of those guys that were drafted, seven of no, and it's not an indictment on them. It's more of a testament to you. <laughs> I didn't even know that though. That I mean, it does put a smile on my face because um, that wasn't always clear uh, in this league. I was on practice squad after playing uh, two accredited seasons in this league. Um, so yeah, a pat on the back for me, man. But like I said, I'm just excited about tomorrow. Um, could I play in this league? I knew I could, uh, but certain uh, a lot of guys can. Yeah, uh, well, a lot of guys can, but can they sustain? Can it? Can they sustain it? And, and can uh, things meet up at the right time? 
and I think that that happened for me. I think uh, some great things, I won't mention them, but some great things met up at the right time, and um, I was available, and I yeah. was ready. Talk to me about how you got to the Chargers and just the, the success you've been able to sustain and, and really etch out a role for yourself that, that's really vital to this team right now. Uh, just evaluating the room every year where I'm needed, you know, because I wasn't always needed the same way in a room, in the same room, because the guys change. Guys bring different things to the table. Me, I like to think of myself as someone that can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I've always been a guy like that. I was a, that's just who, that's who I am when I'm on a football team. So I embrace that role. Um, yeah, man, and just looking at the room and seeing what's needed and seeing if I can bring it to the table. Um, that's, that's it every year. Um, that's it. And that's what keeps me around, man. That's what keeps me around. Off the field, you mentioned you're a Houston native. Yeah. Just over a year ago, the hurricane, Hurricane Harvey hit. Mm-hmm. And I know that was a, a, a big deal for everybody that lives in Houston. I know you have family in Houston. Uh, take me back to a year ago, um, just your life off the field, uh, knowing that that was going on in your hometown w- with family there and um, what you did to help. Well, first you just wait. You know, you wait. Because um, that's all you can do with a flood is wait. You just never know how much uh, devastation is going to bring to the area. It could be a little bit of nothing or it could be a whole lot of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... um that one turned out to be pretty devastating. And then I did feel a little, hmm, how can I explain it? A little guilty for being here in Southern California with this perfect weather. Yeah. Uh, knowing that my people uh, back in Houston was going through something so devastating that they go through often, but you just never know how devastating it's going to be. And the reason why um, certain things happen is because the hurricane is just so uh unpredictable yeah like that you know that's that's why some because i've evacuated for a hurricane before and nothing happened well these things happen i mean my, my folks live in charleston south carolina they they evacuated for the hurricane in south carolina a couple weeks ago it never hit the way it was supposed to hit yeah but you just never know you what's just never happen. know yeah it, so from that the next time you don't because it didn't do it last time yep and now something crazy happens so like i said me going through plenty of hurricanes in my life i just sat back and wait try to figure out a way that I'm needed because I know I'll be needed, but you can't help everybody. You know what I mean? And it is a pecking order to everything, no matter how you look at it. So I just sat back, waited. Um, Me and my wife put our heads together and some friends that wasn't um, affected by the hurricane in Houston. um, Got with the Chargers. Uh, The Chargers was was interested in giving some um, things that was needed to families, food, uh, canned goods, underwear, just things that you need, not things that you want. Yeah, um, the necessities. And with with those people, we we put a great plan together. Uh, those things got to Houston uh, immediately uh, and helped the people that uh, that we could help. And um, that, I mean, that's pretty much all I could do. Um, but the people that I could not help, uh, I was definitely thinking about them. Um, and anything that I could do as far as like contacting people or. Uh, sending people in the right direction. I think I did as much of that as I could possibly do within working and also doing my job here. Yeah. How impressed were you with what JJ Watt did? And did you ever talk to Derek about just all I the did. work that all the work that he did to to raise money for people in Houston? I actually talked to Derek uh, a lot about his brother. Man, I'm a big fan. My son's a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, and he's he's the man of Houston. Um, but uh, uh, I'm appreciative of. I know he helped someone that affected my life yeah. i know that he raised that much money and my people live in a prime area in houston that's affected by the hurricane the most i know he helped someone that affected my life and for that i'm just greatly appreciative using that platform you know when you're in the league i think it's such a a big responsibility that people like yourself and jj and, and so many players in this league take on that don't get talked enough about and i know you have a foundation hip to be square yeah tell me about that um my foundation is just um, similar to Boys and Girls Club type of deal, um, help, helping both, uh, just with just things that people in poverty deal with, you know, um, some things are touchy uh, that I don't want to mention, but just, like I said, things that people in poverty deal with all the time, hunger, uh, lack of this, lack of school supplies, uh, lack of attention. 
um, lack of affection, all of that. That's that's what my my foundation deal with. With just a hands-on um, foundation, I deal with a little bit of everything. Willing to help, willing to point you in the dire- right direction if we can't assist. Do you ever reflect back on those times in high school football and the ups and downs at Alabama, how hard that was, and uh, just how you've sustained this career in the NFL and know that all that hard work was worth it, not only on the football field, but also just, just raising a platform for others? Yeah. I, was, I often get you know time to myself and just, uh, you know, because I'm a dad, uh, a husband, uh, you know, to a, a, a little girl and a little boy. But, yeah, sometimes I do get on the phone. I like to talk to my mom because it was just me and her at one point. Yeah. Uh, my mom ended up having three other kids, but there were, that was, like, later in my life. But I like to talk to my mom because, man, we can talk about things that no one else knows about but me and her. It was just me and her. She was young. Uh, I was a baby, and we were fig- figuring things out on the run. Um, so when I, whenever I want to just reflect on how far I've come, just for a little bit, because I always like to focus on where I'm going, um, I like to call my mom, and we'll spend about 30, 40 minutes on the phone just talking about things that we talk about all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think the cool thing about it is that it was just me and her in a setting. So sometimes when I want to paint those pictures in my head again and you know touch those moments, I get on the phone with her, and she enjoys it, enjoys it as well. But... Like I said, she she knew I would be doing this, and I, I did too. It's amazing, man. Yeah. Um, I'll get you out of here on this because we're a quarter of the way through the season. Two and two, what's your expectation for this defense, just for this team in general, as we start to get rolling here throughout 2018? Um, we got to keep having fun. Keep having fun, man. That's that's who we are. We, are we're, we, we take the ball away. We put the ball in the end zone. We're scoring defense. Uh, we'll bend but don't break. Uh, defense. Uh, we're young defense with a lot of youth and a lot of great playmakers in isolation situations. Yeah. So um, we got to stop the run first and foremost to get these great playmakers in one-on-one situations. And I think it's coming. Um, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. We, we we finished this quarter the best way we possibly could. You know, headed into this last weekend at two and two. Uh, so we're, we're five hundred right now. Um, to me, that's a clean slate come back into this uh, next quarter of the season, open it up with Oakland. What better way, uh, what better team? So, um, like I said, focus on this week. Uh, get this W, uh, move on to Cleveland. But um, I see the light. I see the light. I think I think we can make some great things happen in this next quarter. Damien, this was great, man. I can't thank you enough for your time, and uh, we look forward to a, a big W on Sunday. For sure. Thank you. All right, before we get to Lorenzo Neal on the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota, I want to tell you about a rare chance for you and a guest to join the Chargers on the field before kickoff. You get two tickets to a game and a special VIP meet and greet with our guys, NFL analysts Matt Money-Smith and Daniel Jeremiah. Enter for the chance to win the backstage Chargers prize pack by going to chargers.com slash win for rules and details. No purchase necessary open to Southern California area residents 18 and over. This ends January 10th, 2019. Again, go to chargers.com slash win for all the rules and details. All right, my next guest played five seasons for the Chargers. He went 8-1 and one against the Raiders when he was on the field. Perhaps the best blocking fullback in the history of this league. Very pleased to be joined by former All-Pro Lorenzo Neal on Backstage Chargers. Lorenzo, thanks so much for joining me. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm great, Chris. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing very well. I, You know what? I thought it would be perfect timing to have you on because you're a host up in the Bay Area, 95.7 the game. We just played the 49ers. Raiders are coming to town on Sunday. What's the discussion up in the Bay Area uh, now that the Chargers are facing the Raiders and John Gruden coming down to Los Angeles? Well, there's mixed mixed feelings here in the Bay Area. It's like the, the, the headlines are, did the game pass Gruden by? Is this, do they have a franchise quarterback in Derek Carr? The Raiders trade away Cleo Mack. Head coach says we need a pass rush. Well, you pay, traded away the, arguably the best pass rusher in the game, and you're saying you need a pass rush. Newsflash, you traded him away. He's not coming back. So there's a lot of mixed feelings here in the Bay Area, especially when it comes to John Gruden and the Raiders. You know, John Gruden's been away for like 10 years, over a decade, but he comes in. He's got the Chucky, the Mystique, the <laughs> yeah. or, and 
you know, everyone's saying, hey, Gruden's back. But, you know, it, it, you, it's a quick exit once you, uh, you trade away one of your best defensive players, maybe possibly in the league. So I think that Gruden is going to live and die behind this trade, and it's just interesting. But pay, people on the other side, there's other people that are really, really patient. They understand this is Gruden's team. You go to Vegas right now and you look at the billboards. It's not, guess what, newsflash. It's not Derek Carr's face up there. It's not Amari Cooper's face up there. It's the, it's the head coach. That's right. John Gruden is definitely the face of the franchise. It's just interesting to see what's happening because right now there seems to be a little, I think there's a little disruption a little bit in the organization because of the fact there's, there's, there's things out there that saying John Gruden has his staff in there, his scouting department, and Reggie McKenzie has his scouting department. So there's a little, I think there's a little riff in there for uh, for power. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens because you know this translates to the uh, onto the field because it starts at the top. And a lot of the guys that are you know that are Reggie's guys believe that hey, since Reggie drafted me and since Reggie's here, you look around and see how many guys that John Gruden is getting rid of that were Reggie's guys. So. It's just interesting, just the interesting, just what John Gruden's perspective is, what identity that he has, what is he trying to do for this Raider organization. If you think about it, in Tampa, in what six years he was there, seven years. Think about it, he drafted over sixty some players. None of those guys made a Pro Bowl. I think Khalid did after he left Tampa Bay. So John Gruden, I think he's a phenomenal coach. But John Gruden as the GM, I think everyone in Raiderville thinks that that may be a hard pass some of the GM. So I know that was a long dissertation, a long story for what did, what did people thinking about you necessarily the Raiders. But when you're talking about LA Chargers and the Raiders, that, that matchup, everyone's always excited. They're always excited when LA, when, when the Chargers and the Raiders get together, usually lightning flashes, loses it's a hard hitting physical game. There's usually some points put up by both teams. I'm looking forward to this two matchup. There's a changing of the guard. Young, you, you know, it used to be the young Phillip Rivers. Now the old Phillip Rivers, and you got the young car. Can he outgun, you know, this Phillip Rivers? Because you've seen Phillip Rivers was able to come to Oakland last year and beat them on their turf. This is going to be a good game. You see both teams coming off a much-needed much win. So this is going to be exciting. You see the way Marshawn Lynch is running. You watch the way that, you know, you're running back as we have in, in L.A., the way that he's running really well between the tackles. You know, the receivers are playing well. Phillip Rivers, ageless wonder, is putting the ball in the air, spinning it, letting it go. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I know both teams would like a little more pressure on the quarterback. You guys don't have Joey Bosa, you know, but you guys do have, you know, other guys that are trying to get to the quarterback. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. Right now, it's going to be, uh, I think, if you look at it, who would you give the edge to? I think you'd have to give the edge, though, to the L.A. Chargers. Lorenzo, did the win against the Browns, did that mask at all the, the disappointing first three games and the fact that you look at Khalil Mack in Chicago, the guy's got four sacks, four forced fumbles, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I know that Raiders yeah, fans I, are pained to see that. And, and doesn't he have an INT for a touchdown? He does. Six, six, I, mean, I mean, so – He's definitely a guy that you can't replace. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to these two picks. I don't know if it's going to be fair or unfair because of the fact the expectation is going to be so high for those picks next year. But uh, I, I think that when you're talking about what is it, did it hide something, did it mask a little bit, that was a must-win must for this Raider organization. They were down big. Carr was able to put 40, 40-something on the board. He needed that. Last week, prior to this game, think about it. They were outscored 66 to think 17, especially in the fourth quarter and the second half. So really wasn't a lot of productivity from this offense. So this was a big win for this Raider organization, especially against an up-and-coming Cleveland team that has some weapons, has some defense, has some offensive weapons. I think they finally have their quarterback. So this was a big win. And the Raiders are looking for this to carry them into L.A. and try to get that win. Because if you look at the one thing that I think the huge flaw for L.A. is right now, you said, Lorenzo, what do you think about this L.A. Charger team? I think the biggest thing I think you would agree is special teams. I think offense counts as a third, defense counts as a third, and special teams count as a third. And you think about early this season, you got a, you picked off, kicked off the ball to Tyreek, and what did he get? 90, 80 some yards later, touchdown. You muffed the punt, and when the punt was punt, they're taught you're taught to don't go past the ten yard line. You guys had a muffed punt, you know, that turned into points. And then against the Rams, you get a a punt block. So right now, I think that everyone is going to continue to test this Chargers organization, especially when it's on the field, when it comes down to special teams. 
no doubt you got to make your kicks and uh, clean some of those things up. And despite the a couple of missed extra points, the special teams played very well last week against the 49ers. But I, I want to get back to Raiders week, Lorenzo, because you were in that locker room for nine of these games against the Raiders as a member of the Chargers. What is the locker room like during a rivalry week like this? It's special because I tell you what, Marty Schottenheimer, he was great. You know, that guy was absolutely amazing. I love Marty. You know what he brought to the game. He said, we're going to punch him in the mouth. That was one of the weeks that Marty was going to cry and foaming at the mouth. Hell, he wanted to come out of retirement. <laughs> he walked around on pins and needles. You didn't even want to see him. He might catch you with a right hook. Boom, and down you go. I mean, Marty's a big man, a big guy, strong guy, but he hated the Raiders. I mean, he used to say, look, all my grave is going to say 60 and 70 power. That's what I want on my tombstone. Marty Schottenheimer, man, I tell you what, he made you tough. He made you want to run through a wall for him. I knew on that week, he said, Lo, you better bring your big boy pads. You better punch him in the mouth. I'll tell you, we were so excited. That rivalry, the Raiders and the Chargers, it's unbelievable. It's nothing like it. And we were always on the winning end of that because I'm telling you right now, when you have a coach that just lives and dies, he absolutely hated that silver and black. I tell you, that week, it was intense. Practice was turned up a little bit higher. LT was running a little bit high harder. Phillip Rivers, when he was quarterbacking, and Drew Brees was at the helm. He was throwing the ball, spinning in that practice. Guys were fired up. They're yelling at all week long. And what would we walk around saying? It's the Raider week. What week is it? Raider week. And we got fired up. So I know that rival still exists. And you know this is exciting for L.A. We see where Phillip Rivers is in the twilight of his career. Antonio Gates, the Aces, one of those two guys, they want to do something special because they know they're on their way out. This is going to be a great matchup, but you got to look at the Raiders too, and don't just don't just cry me in wherever I understand they have some things going on. But they got an exciting young receiver over there, Amari Cooper, and then they got another one, pretty veteran guy, Jordy Nelson. You think about that guy, those guys, and Carl when he's on fire, the guy can spin the ball around. But the X factor to me is that running game, and you got Marshawn Lynch. This guy can run over guys, through guys, around guys. He's still a pretty physical guy. Last week, 18 carries, 120 some yards. So I think that's going to be a guy that you got to try to shut down. Got to put a hat on that guy. He's a physical guy. And as this team goes, does Marshawn Lynch go? Man, Larez, you got me fired up, man. And speaking of the running game, the best way to show the impact that you had in this rivalry, I'm just going to read off LT's rushing totals in those games, okay? 243 rushing yards. 198 rushing yards, 187 rushing yards, 164 rushing yards, 140 rushing yards, 131 rushing yards, 109 rushing yards, 86 and 71. In nine games, Lorenzo, with you on the field, LT rushed for over 1,300 yards against the Raiders. And that's a direct reflection, I think, of your performance in those games. Hey, I'll tell you what, LT, it was amazing. It was lightning in the bottle, watching 21. I used to tell to everyone else, I used to tell defenders, defenders and linebackers that I'm getting ready to play, they're like, Neil, you gonna be, we're going to get LT, you can't protect him today. I said, let me tell you something, if he's even, he's leaving. And I used to tell him, if you see me back at 2-1, it's too late. Because I'm telling you right now, the guy was absolutely amazing. He would cut on the dime and leave 10 cents change, not nine, but the whole dime. I mean, that's how impressive this guy was. And I used to always tell LT, get on my hip and don't dip. Let's ride, Daddy. Call out the dogs and piss on the fire, and let's go make it happen. And that Raider week, I tell you right now, there was no exceptions to it. He loved playing against the Raiders. He loved playing in the Coliseum. He just would do so many things. I think one game he threw for a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. <laughs> He caught a touchdown. It was absolutely amazing what he was able to do against the Raiders. It was like that was that team definitely wasn't his kryptonite, and he had some big games and some huge games he was able to perform. So I tell you, that rivalry has always been hot, always been exciting. I'm looking forward to this game on Sunday. I'm telling you right now, these two teams, they don't get along. And my daddy always said, if you don't can't get along, you might as well get it on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Lorenzo, can we sign you for a week? Let's get you on Sunday. <laughs> Put me in the game, coach. Put me in the game. Hey, your former teammate's still doing it. Antonio Gates, Phillip Rivers, they connected for a touchdown. Their 88th time that they've connected. Does anything surprise you about the fact that these guys are still doing it in 2018, Lorenzo? Uh, it's just amazing to see how they're still able to play at a very, very high level. We know without a doubt Antonio Gates, arguably one of the greatest tight ends, will, he will go down as the top 10 tight ends in the history of this game. 
Philip Rivers, first ballot Hall of Fame, or so is Antonio Gates. Two guys are on the Hall of Fame. How about that? In that era, you had Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Antonio Gates, LaDainian Tomlinson. Who would have thought four or five guys from that team are going to be Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers at that? Look what Drew Brees getting ready to set the all-time throwing record here probably this week. Yeah. It's amazing. Some amazing talent has came through San Diego or L.A. now, L.A. Chargers. And I'll tell you, Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers, those guys, are they, they are the yin and the yang. They understand it. They're on the same page. They don't need, they think through osmosis. It's amazing how these guys are on the same page. They don't have to talk. They can just look at one another and they know exactly what one another is thinking. This is amazing tandem. And this is one of the best tandems that the league has ever seen. When did you fully realize that both Philip and Antonio were going to be in Canton, Lorenzo? Well, I, I think when I was there with him, when I got there, you know, Antonio Gates was, I knew this kid. I watched this kid play at West Hills. That's right. COS College, the College of Sequoias. This guy <laughs> didn't play football in college, didn't play football in high school. So he went to COS, played basketball, because you know who wanted him? Tark the Shark, the, the, Danny Tarkanian and, and Tarkanians, the Tarkanians, they wanted him to come to Fresno State to play some bulldog basketball. So really thought this guy was going to come there, come there, but he didn't take him. He ended up going to Kent State. So we didn't get him as a bulldog, but I tell you, he made the right decision. And when he came into camp, this was just a guy that was a project, was a project, and you just saw him, his ability to beat guys, his ability to beat linebackers, his ability to beat DBs and safety. You said this guy could be special. See, you've seen Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates be great, and you saw him say have great games. But see, greatness is doing something over and over and over again. So once you see them for years, I was with these guys for five years, and when you see those guys continue to do that, that's greatness. See, greatness isn't given. Greatness is earned. And when you can do something with consistency, with consistency, that's what makes you great, and that's what makes you eligible for the Hall of Fame. These two guys have shown their greatness over time with great consistency, and that's why these two guys, in my opinion, will be first ballot Hall of Fames. Lorenzo, final thing for you. What's going to be the key to Sunday's game? This is a division game, a game that both of these teams want really bad early in the year. What do you think is going to decide this one? I think it's very simple. The team that turns the ball over the most is going to lose that game. The team that has the least amount of turnovers is going to win that game. It's going to come down to that. It's going to turn down to who wants it more, and it's going to be physical game and field position. I think both these teams have an ability to score. I don't think that neither one of these defenses are just stellar. They don't have these defenses that can necessarily just get after. So I think that it's going to be a high-scoring game. But the biggest thing it's going to come down to is turnovers and the team that can team that can, can dominate the field position. So looking forward to this game, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a very close game. This game is always exciting when these two teams hook up. This is not going to be a motorboat. This is not going to be a one-sided affair. This is going to be that David. This is going to be that freaking who, who's his great fight. Thomas Hearns and how about how Thomas Hearns and Roberto Duran. How about those two guys back in the day where the hitman went three rounds with, you know, this is going to be, I think, just going to be a, an all-out battle. These guys are going to go at it. Ali Frazier, this has always been that great matchup. So I think the biggest thing it's going to come down to, though, is teams that can turn the ball over the least amount of times is going to win because you can't win in the National Football League just turning the ball over. And both these teams have their share of turnovers. No doubt. Lorenzo, you got me charged up for this one on Sunday. I, I'm very thankful for your time. Can't thank you enough for joining us on Backstage Chargers, and we hope to talk to you down the line. Uh, absolutely. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. I'm going to be all over you like the spider monkeys. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. The Chargers' new home, L.A. Stadium at Hollywood Park, is taking shape. And fans, this is your chance to get in on the action that starts in 2020. The stadium experience, indoor-outdoor design, and world-class amenities are all groundbreaking, along with the see-through roof and 70,000-square-foot dual-sided video board. The new L.A. Stadium speaks to what it means to be an Angelino, and your Los Angeles Chargers want you to be part of it all. Visit FightForLA.com. That's FightForLA.com today for more information. All right, now on the line, he's three weeks away from becoming a best-selling author. He's the co-host of Speak for Yourself on FS1, and of course, former Charger Marcellus Wiley joins me during Raiders Week. Marcellus, how are you, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Chris. How's it going, brother? Doing very well. First, congrats on the new gig at Fox. You got Speak for Yourself, New Pacific, FS1. You putting Woodlock in his place? Man, I'm trying, but he's a big dude, so it's hard to move him. But uh, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, I tell you, man, we, we are different, but we certainly respect each other 
uh, on a great level and uh, really like how we show each other our work and our process. And it's been a fun ride so far. And uh, even if you differ in opinion, whether he's a journalist and I'm the former player, uh, we still arrive to a place of respect, and that's been good. That's great, man. That's great. Well, hey, it's Chargers Raiders. It's rivalry week here in L.A. Uh, you were part of it. What's it like to be a part of it? Oh, my God. Uh, depends on my audience. Is this the G-rated version or is this the R-rated version? Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's go PG, PG-13. <laughs> PG-13, okay. So that depends on what kind of parents you got. You see a little more, you may not. <laughs> oh, man, Ra- Raider week. Raider Week starts off always with the ticket requests. It's just insane. Everyone wants to go to Raider Week. All the Charger fans, your uncles, cousins, aunties, everyone wants to go. And then you get the penetration from the Raider fans who are trying to buy up more tickets to make the black hole bigger on the road. So that's always interesting uh, watching just the, the fanfare and the pandemonium how much it rises for Raider Week. It's just a great rivalry. Um, then you get into kind of the, the historic nature of the rivalry and you respect that, hey, man, these teams have had success for many years and uh, this is always a, a greatly contested battle. And then you get into like game day mode where as much as you want to focus in on the actual task at hand and the competition – you just notice the the festivities. You just notice that this is a bigger game than normal, uh, whether it's just more jerseys out there, more Chargers jersey, more Raiders jerseys. And then you start to see that there's a different decorum between a Charger fan and a Raider fan. <laughs> I mean, being on the freeway, the funniest story I have is being on the freeway. When I, when I lived down in San Diego, I was out in Cardiff, Encinitas, and I was riding on the freeway just going to Qualcomm, and it was standstill traffic. And the Raider fans decided to tailgate on the freeway. And I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> oh they literally pulled out barbecue pits and started to, like, tailgate and, and standstill traffic. And that was just a scene right there. But it's always great intensity, and it's a great rivalry. I love it. Yeah, well, you know, it's serious among the fans. But I imagine in the locker room, what's it like in the locker room during a week like this, because these divisional games, it almost counts as two, right? You got to win the games in your division. You got to win them at home. Yeah, we always call it double trouble, man. You know, for your efforts, you can get twice the reward. Um, or if you don't take care of business, twice the penalty. So you got to always respect that a divisional game just has more meaning. Uh, it, it will certainly add up at the end of the season. And for us, and especially me, I had to go against Lincoln Kennedy, who was one of the better offensive linemen in the NFL. Big, massive guy, uh, strong, intense. So uh, it was a great rivalry, not only for teams, but also for us individually, just knowing that I had a formidable opponent to go against. So the intensity, it comes from the fanfare. It comes from the crowd. It comes from the stands. But it certainly pours into the locker room as well. We get even more hype for Raider Week than you do for the standard week. All right, the last time John Gruden faced the Chargers as head coach, it was December 15th, 2001. Marcellus Wiley was the starting defensive end for the Bolts. Do you remember that game at all, Marcellus? Wow. Um, I don't remember the particulars. I've been hitting the head a few times, let's say that. But I will say if that was 2001, I do remember Rich Gannon. And I do remember he was a machine around that era. Uh, so I probably don't want to hear the score and all the details, but you tell me. I'm going to tell you because, all right, well, it, it's not a good result because the Chargers lost 13-6. to But Marcellus Wiley sacked Rich Gannon twice on this evening. And Jerry Rice caught a 40-yard touchdown, man. 2001, Jerry Rice in the mix catching 40-yard touchdowns. But Marcellus, he got two sacks against Rich Gannon. I needed that game every week. I'll still be a Charger. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Marcellus, isn't that hard to believe? That was John Gruden's last game coaching the Raiders against the Chargers. Wow. I had no idea, man. I would have lost all the trivia pursuit money. Uh, <laughs> a thousand for that question, Alex. Uh, that's great, man. Uh, look, he's, he's off to an interesting start in terms of his record, but you can tell that there's a different complexion to this team, especially offensively. So, 
uh, Derek Carr is putting up some numbers, and they finally found their winning way. But, wow, I would have never guessed that, that that was the last time he saw the boats out there on the field. You know, what's, what is your overall assessment of just the entire body of work from the first four, four weeks? Because, as you mentioned, listen, the offense right now, statistically, they're number two in the league in, in total offense. Uh, a lot of people are going to go back to Khalil Mack and all the Khalil Mack stuff over the last month, but they've been in every game despite being one and three. Yeah, uh, certainly the Denver game got away from them, and certainly uh, this is a team that could have a much better record than, than what we've seen. Um, the interesting thing is uh, certainly he answered the most important question, was the game behind him? Um, no, he's still a part of this game, if not – there's a lot more of John Gruden and better John Gruden to come. Uh, they're on a different calendar than most teams. No coach has a 10-year contract. No coach has a $100 million guaranteed. So say what you want. That brings your shoulders down just a little. And you don't have to take Khalil Mack. You don't have to reach out to Khalil Mack. As crazy as that sounds, he didn't have to. Um it's tough to pay uh, a defensive lineman quarterback money because even in great impact as a defensive lineman, look, I had two sacks against Rich Gannon, and we still lost the game. Yeah. Khalil Mack has had a sack and forced fumble. Uh, I remember one game he had it all in one half, and they lost that game this year. So uh, it's tough to justify that money at times to the, to the interior defensive lineman or even anywhere on the – on the edges, but I would say he's done a great job respecting the circumstances and no Marquette King. It's crazy that John Gruden walked in and said, who's my best defensive player? Get him out of here. I'm not even going to talk to him. Khalil Mack. Who's our best special teamer? Marquette King. Get out of here. I'm not even going to talk to him. Uh, Who's our best offensive player? And they're like, Derek Carr. I'm going to criticize him and get the most out of that guy because he does play the most important position. So, I wouldn't give him an A grade, but certainly a passing grade so far this season. You flip it to the Chargers, Marcellus, two and two. Your two losses coming against the Rams and the Chiefs, probably the, the two best teams in football through the, the quarter point. How would you assess what the Chargers have, have looked like here through the first month? Yeah, definitely the two best teams. I don't think there's any question right now. Um, and you have to be good with that record. I mean, you're two and two. Uh, last year, you were 0 and 4. And being 0-4, obviously we knew that was a hole that they came close to climbing out of, but they weren't able to. Uh, They're off to a better start than last year, and we know they finished with nine wins. So there's a chance this team could do even better this year. Um, And you can't hang your head too low because you lost to the two best teams. Uh, Kansas City could put up points. And then we obviously saw with the Rams, they're just – they're just great on all levels, all facets of the game right now. They're clicking. So Chargers are in a great position um, in terms of confidence and what we've seen. This is a team that uh, they faced some adversity last week against the 49ers. Maybe a, a, a trap game of sort. Uh, you got the big rivalry the week after, and you're playing a team without their starting quarterback. You Maybe you're not thinking about them as good as you should or as focused as you should, but – they were able to come back. They were able to handle business. So this is a damn good Chargers team. Uh, we know that they have talent all around. And once Bosa comes back, we'll see even more from the defense. And um, excited about their fortunes because they're off to a better start than they were last year. I want to ask you about Derwin James, too. This rookie safety, he continues to oh, shine wow. Marcellus. I mean, th- he got three sacks, 26 tackles, has an interception, two crucial plays that, that probably won the game Sunday against the 49ers. Man, this this kid is something special, and he's only four games into his career. Yeah, I mean, his reputation precedes him, and it's weird to expect this from someone, but when you hear about his talents and you watch them play, you realize that this guy is that special, and what a what a seamless transition in terms of the big plays he's made. And uh, I remember seeing that Rams interception in the end zone. It's just like uh, uh, amazing that this guy is just stepping into a a role and shining in it in such a short stint. So uh, it's crazy to say this, but the best is yet to come, despite his immediate success. So he's special. They, They said he was special. 
they drafted him like he was special, and he's hit the ground running, man. I'm, I'm excited and not surprised by any of his success. Well, Sills, I appreciate you joining me, man. I, I want to get you out of here on this because you got a book coming out. I alluded to it at the beginning, Never Shut Up. It, it releases on October 23rd. Tell us a little bit about the book and, and where you can get it. Yeah, uh, the book comes out October 23rd. It's a memoir, uh, just as I've seen life through my journey from Compton, California, South Central, and a guy who felt like he was a fork in the road kid, but really wanted to plan and plot my life just to save me and my family from our circumstances. So uh, really tried to engineer a life and do a balancing act between classroom and academics and my athletic success to make sure that I had the best chance possible. So whether it's from the neighborhood all the way to the Ivy League at Columbia and having my opportunity to play in the NFL for 10 years and moving on to broadcast, uh, just a guy that decided to take his identity seriously and uh, to make sure that I, I gave me and my family the best opportunities in this world. So it's about the essence that we all have whatever that is, your core elements, to never shut up, to never let the world dictate the terms to you. You always get to tell the world who you are and what you want to be. So never shut up in your essence. And looking forward to everyone receiving this message and hopefully inspiring some people on the way. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, I can't wait for the book to release. Are you, are you doing an audio book? I feel like you would be a, a, a good author to like to voice it because sometimes the author can't do it but i feel like you could do it oh my i did the audiobook so it's funny the did you said, yes. hey, please do it oh my god it's the most daunting <laughs> task i had ever in media broadcasting three days 21 hours oh man i finally plowed through it yeah i got through it man it's and it's it is entertaining i tell everyone to buy the book uh, love you. Go to Amazon, iBooks, etc. But more importantly, get the audiobook. It is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting it on Audible as we speak. I'll, I'll pre-order right now. Marcellus Wiley, you're the man. I can't thank you enough for your time and uh, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. All day, Chris, man. Appreciate it. Go Bolts. Let's do it. And that'll do it for the fifth episode of the Backstage Chargers podcast presented by Toyota. Now, this is a brand new podcast. We're just five weeks old, so we need your help to move this up the charts on Apple Podcasts by giving us a rating and review. Please help spread the word. This podcast posts every Tuesday, and be on the lookout for an all-new Chargers Weekly this Thursday ahead of the Chargers AFC West showdown against the Raiders. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday.